Hey, good morning, guys. We're going to be in John chapter 7 in a few minutes, and we're back on Ustream, and I'm just curious about something. How many in the past, at least, you used to, oh, wait, wait a second. I said Ustream. I meant version. Uh, how many of you ever used version before? Just raise your hand before and you like it. All right, cool. All right. Well, then our, our, our office, uh, our office administrator, I'll tell her to keep doing it then. All right. Uh, so it's an app called version, and, and there's lots of different churches that use it. So you can look for CIL and like the notes are preloaded. And so that makes me feel better knowing that you guys are accessing that. And um, so God has some great things to share with us today. And, and it's so good just to have everyone participate. Like for those of you who are here at CIL, it's just awesome to see you. And for those of you who are online, I just support your decision to mitigate, like, guys, we got to be careful uh, as we get through this whole deal with, with COVID-19. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to get through this. Listen, if you are thinking it's going to be this way forever, it is not. God is going to get us through. So stay optimistic. Keep believing the best reports. And then, most of all, keep praying. Like, our God is not powerless. The, you know, the name COVID-19 is not the authority. It, it has to submit to the name of Jesus. And so as God's people, we have to just keep praying and believing for God uh, to, to do his work. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to, you know, I don't know if you ever finish a, a series on the Holy Spirit, right? Because he, hopefully he's around I mean, he's always in every sermon and in everything we do as believers. But uh, next week is our 12-year anniversary as a church. So we're going to kind of give a vision sermon next week and just kind of see where God takes us uh, from there. Um, some of you who know me, uh, you know that I have three teenagers. I have actually a couple of adults now. I have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old. And we have great relationship with those guys. And, man, they have been just great sermon illustrations over the years. I mean, thank God. <laughs> poor kids. I hope they don't have to go to therapy for that. But um, I'd like to think that all that's good. And now we're at the point where a couple of them are adults and we're merging. They are emerging into adulthood. And so there's some level of partnership or financial dependency. But by and large, they're making decisions. And, and so here's the deal. How involved am I in the details of their life? Okay. I mean, every family is different. How involved am I in the details of my teenage and adult children's lives? Here's the answer. I'm as involved in the details as they allow me to be. So it's not a matter of my decision. It's their decision. So even though the, you know, the, the financial power is still in my hands, and even the positional authority is still in my hands, and the experience is with me and, and my wife, Beth, um, the decision at this point is theirs. They, they can invite me into their life at whatever level they feel comfortable. And so I, I'm thinking about this as we talk about the Holy Spirit. How involved is the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, even though he's all powerful and even though we can't even compare to him, um, he's only involved in our lives at the level we allow him to. And so, you know, sermon series like this kind of reminds us. It's like, yeah, there is a Holy Spirit, and we need him, and he wants to help us. And then uh, that, that gives us a, a mindset that says, hey, he is here, so we're going to acknowledge that and allow him in our life. So here is the, 
The title of today's sermon is The Holy Spirit for the Individual. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit directs the church, the Holy Spirit, uh, what he does in the community, and that's not so much our focus. I want to talk more about the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in you as an individual. And here's the takeaway. The Holy Spirit, the takeaway is this. I want you to go home thinking about this. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in the detail of our lives. He wants to be active in the detail of your life. And it's kind of up to us uh, whether or not we allow that. Um, Years ago, I wasn't going to tell the story, but here we go. Years ago, I I heard a pastor kind of poking fun of people who took it too far with the Holy Spirit in in this realm. uh, What color car they should get. And it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't care if your car is blue or red or gray. And, And he had... He had a, a point of practicality in, in the practical way we live in our life. And so as I discussed that, because I tended to agree with his perspective, uh, my wife said this. She said, you know, the only problem is when we start excluding the Holy Spirit from some parts of our life, then we'll have a tendency to exclude him from important parts of our life. Now, guys, I don't include the Holy Spirit as much as I should in everything. But one thing I've done since then for like 20 years now is I've always asked the Holy Spirit about car purchases. You know, and I just, uh, that's just because that's just part of me now. And I'm just like, okay, God, do you want me to buy this car? I can give you the sermon to say, God doesn't care about your car and that's your decision. You have a free will. I get it. But like in that area of my life now, that's a detail. It's like a discipline. And and, and there's been a couple of times where I've just like known as soon as I've seen a car, that's going to be my car. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was on that. Not even a car I preferred, but a car he chose. So th- this is just a, an invitation we have. Like, how much do you want the Holy Spirit to be involved in your life? Well, I bet you, whatever level you open your heart to, he's going to fill that space. He's going to come uh, in and fill that space, and he wants to do that. And, um, you know, as we, as we uh, travel around and... and some of, I know that we haven't done as much travel during COVID season. At least I haven't. I guess all you guys have. I've seen you guys on uh, Facebook. Man, I haven't slowed you down at all. Uh, but I haven't traveled um, any this summer. I'm going to go down and, and take some stuff to my daughter this afternoon down in Chattanooga because she's there for college. But that's only been my only trip so far. But when we travel and, and we go to different places and maybe we visit a relative and we go into a home, and even though we don't live in that home, we realize that home is not always uh, what we register on our driver's license. Um, home is a feeling, right? You know, and have you just been somewhere to another relatives? Maybe like my in-laws, for example, uh, I feel at home at their house. I just like, this is another home for me. That doesn't just apply to family. There's, there's other people in my life who have been so hospitable that I just relax and I feel at home in their home. This is how the Holy Spirit, I believe, the environment we need to set for him where he's just like at home in our hearts. Like here he is and he's at home. And that's my first point today is the Holy Spirit is home with you. Okay? Listen, the Holy Spirit is not in this building. The Holy Spirit is in the people who come to this building. Now, I, I'm one, and, and this is a conversation for another day. I, I believe in sanctification, and, and there is power to say this is a sanctuary, and this is set aside for God's purpose and so forth. 
and it always bothers me when a church becomes a bar or a church becomes a company. I mean, that's just, that's just more of a worldview from me. But biblically, we know this, is that, that the Lord doesn't dwell in tents and temples. Um, he dwells in people. So wherever we are, he is. Now, the fact that we've dedicated this room and this building and this property for his purposes, we think differently when we're here. But we know this is that, like, if no people ever came back to CIL, then the Holy Spirit, I mean, the Holy Spirit's power would not be where it is now. I mean, he dwells, he's at home with people, and he's at home with you. And so you don't have to go anywhere to get to God. You have to look within to get to God. God's like, and I'm not talking about this sentiment within. I'm talking about the indwelling presence of God that's within you. The presence of God is within you and he's at home with you. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had yet not been given uh, fully as he came fully at the day of Pentecost. But Jesus is predicting what's going to happen. And and in John chapter 7, these are the words of Jesus, starting with verse 38. He says, the one who believes in me. All right, so that's that's all of us, I hope. I suppose there there could be someone here who doesn't believe in Jesus, but the vast majority of us, and, and conceivably every single one of us in this room, uh, believes in Jesus. And a, a lot of you watching online believe in Jesus. So all of us, the one who believes in Jesus, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep. Look at that word there within him. Okay. So the living waters represent the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit is within you. He said this, verse 39, just to make it crystal clear to us, since we're talking about water. He said this about the Spirit. Those who have believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So just a, just a really basic theological point. You don't get Jesus and don't get the Holy Spirit. You, you don't, excuse me, let me make that more clear. You don't receive Jesus and not receive the Holy Spirit. So every single Christian has the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit is at home. Now, I believe a lot of us just aren't aware of that. We just haven't sat under teaching on that. Or we haven't been in a, in a Christian community that honors the Holy Spirit. Or we've never even been around uh, places that give space for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, is just a concept. And we're not aware he's indwelling within us right now and he's alive within us right this minute. Have you ever been to a concert or you've been somewhere, maybe you're trying to get into an amusement park and and you see a long line of people trying to get tickets, but you've prepaid? I'll tell you what, that for me is a point of pride in my life sometimes. I'm like, I walk by the line and be like, you suckers, you didn't think ahead. I'm going to the front. So we know that that's, you know, pride's not a good thing, but you know, that's just, I like to think ahead of stuff. It's a good feeling. So when a deposit works, it's a really good feeling because we know we put a deposit on a vacation. We put a deposit on a season ticket. We put a deposit on something we want to purchase and we know it's not ours yet, but it's coming. I mean, we've got a guarantee. I've got money down guaranteed that I have something in my future. Here's my second point today. The Holy Spirit is your future. The Holy Spirit is your future. 
there are, are a couple of powerful scriptures that I want you to see that the Bible makes it clear the Holy Spirit's a deposit for what our future is. The Holy Spirit's a foretaste, but more than that, it's like God is saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you because I want you to know that it's not all about this life. It's not all about this world. It's not all about the years that you're alive here. There's something more in the future. There's something more ahead. And if you ever doubt it, if you ever doubt it, don't don't look from without. Look within because my Holy Spirit is within you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22 says it this way. He has also put his seal on us. That's an identifier. You know, God says, I, they are sealed. They're mine. My seal is upon them. And has given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. That's a powerful statement. It's like, you know, that one belongs to me. And because that one belongs to me, I'm giving my Holy Spirit. I'm giving my Holy Spirit because I want them to know. I don't want them to have doubt about whose daughter they are or whose son they are because they have the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God says, I've sealed them and they are mine. And in fact, I want them to be so sure they're mine. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit so that they can know that there is something greater than this life. It helps us through trials. It helps us through difficult circumstances. It helps us through tough seasons. It helps us when we groan at the evil of this world or when things just aren't right. We have the Holy Spirit as a promise of what is coming. The New Living Translation is is another more modern way to interpret Scripture. It's a great translation, and it says it this way. This is the same Scripture in a different translation. And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Man, if you're, if you're under 40, you won't get this joke, but, or won't get this statement. But guys, we are on layaway with the Lord. Man, we get an older crowd because you guys laugh loud. Hey, layaway is when you used to go to Sears and you'd put down 10% and he kept making payments until... It was paid off, and then it came in, in the old world of the 1980s. We are on layaway. It's a cool thing. Like, God has purchased us and given us his Holy Spirit, so we know that we are his, and we know we have a better future. This same theme continues in Ephesians, in a letter to a different church, same theme. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. It's getting even better. Until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, y'all, you guys, we belong to somebody. And we have someone who has paid a price for us. And he's put a down payment, an installment plan, a first fruits, a foretaste, a deposit. Hey, as good as God is, and he is good, taste and see that the ways of the Lord are good. As good as it is, it's just a sample of what's coming. It's a it's an appetizer. The full course is coming at the feast of the Lord. The full course is coming when we are, are standing before the Lord without sin, without addiction, without illness, without death, without oppression, without injustice, without warfare, you know, without all of the threats that keep us up at night. 
without all of the imbalances in our head and in our, in our physical body that we have to battle through. Those things will be gone when we see Jesus face to face. And when we experience his presence and understand his presence, it's just a foretaste of more to come in him. I got a call from a, a, a friend of mine yesterday, and it was such a timely call because I needed a, a sermon illustration. So here we go. Uh, and I remember when, when this story first started. It was 10 years ago in 2010. Uh, my friend Charles, some of you know him, Charles Golden, uh, he's been here and preached a few times. And, and he, uh, the Lord told him, this is very unusual, but the Lord told him five things in, in January of 2010. Uh, he, w- he was in a church service like this, and he had the, the, the pastor said, hey, the Lord's going to speak to you. And later on that week, uh, the Lord spoke to him five things, and he wrote down these five things. Now, I do remember hearing about this because we were in friendship during that time. Okay, four of the five things happened that year. The reason he called me yesterday is the fifth thing didn't happen until this year, 10 years later. But that's not what this story is about. Four of the things happened. The, the first one happened the next day, and it had to do with his employment. The other two, I'm not sure what they are. But the fourth one was this, the fourth or the fifth thing. The, the Lord, he felt like the Lord had told him. He was, he was uh, single at the time. He said that before the end of this year, you will know who your wife is. Man, that would be a good word from the Lord if you were single, huh? Our singles are like, I claim that, Lord. I claim that for me. So these are just things that you write down. And, you know, I do this too. I write this stuff down. I think I hear from the Lord. I don't know for sure. And then it comes later, and sometimes it's confirmed, and sometimes it's years later, like 10 years later. On December 31st was the day he proposed to Vanessa, who he's married to to this day. But here's the neat thing about it. He had forgotten that the Lord had impressed that upon him until after the proposal. And the Lord brought to memory Dad, I told you by the end of the year, you would know who your wife was. He had just kind of forgotten it, and the Lord brought it back. You know, a lot of times when we get kind of leadings from the Lord, I, I, that's the way I try to do it. I write them down. Right now, I type them into my phone, and then I try to forget about them. I might pray about them occasionally because we're primarily just led by holy living. We're primarily led through our devotional life. You know, we, we're not people. We don't need to chase these special words from the Lord. The reason they're special is that they're not frequent. Okay, I mean, they just kind of come every once in a while, and, and I have those examples in my life. But here's the reason I tell you this, and, and I was so glad Charles called me yesterday. We hadn't talked in a, few, in a couple of months probably. And, and to hear that story, because it, it brought me to my third point, that I want you to have your faith stirred in this area. The Holy Spirit is active in the details of our lives. Okay, so that going back to the picking out a car. In that instance, it was, I'm going to tell you five things that are going to come to pass. You know, I I would say that's not, maybe the the closer we walk to the Lord, maybe that will happen more often, okay? So I don't want to put limits on God. But for most of our experience, that's kind of unusual. And, you know, I suppose that if we just sought the Lord's presence more and more, maybe it would just happen more frequently. But I I want to take you back to the Bible and show you a couple of examples of this. And and we'll go now to Acts chapter 8, starting with with verse 26. It says says it this way. Now, there's going to be two modes of communication here that are separate. Here's the first mode of communication. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, we know scripturally there are 
messenger angels. Gabriel was one of those. Okay, I have no experience with that. So, you know, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about that personally. You know, angels. I will say this. I was at the hospital yesterday and um, I was praying with someone outside of the hospital because we can't go inside. And this, this uh, very, very elderly man with a mask went out of his way and walked up to us and he said, I want you guys to know I'm praying with you. And as he walked off, the two ladies I was with said, that was an angel. Now, I don't, I'm not saying it was. I don't know. But maybe it was. It was to them there. Hey, praise God for that. All right. So this is not a sermon about angels. It's a sermon about the Holy Spirit. But I don't want you to confuse those. Those are two separate modes of communication. All, and, and so, and really the Holy Spirit is greater than the angels. I mean, we, we would be like, oh, cool. Tell me more angel stories. Those are cool. I like angel stories. Well, Hebrews chapter one said, come on, don't be fascinated with angels. I mean, we, we've got a revelation that's greater than what we could receive from an angel. So here we go. Now, verse 26 says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So that's very specific, isn't it? This is the desert road. And so he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge. He was, he was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Elijah aloud. Now here's verse 29. Here's our key verse. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Now, how many know that's very specific instructions? If, if I had the Holy Spirit tell me that, I'd be like, uh, I'm not sure I'm hearing from you, God. That'd be like us being at a restaurant and the Holy Spirit said, hey, go sit at that booth with those people over there. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not that spiritual yet. <laughs> oh, no, now the Lord's going to ask me to do, do that this week. That's probably how he'll work. But, but that's very specific. But I, I want you to see from the Bible because, guys, we are informed not by stories. We're informed by Scripture. Okay, stories may, may um, bridge the gap between Scripture. But here's a very specific example of when the Holy Spirit gave a detailed instruction to Philip. He said, go to that man, to that chariot, and, and, go, and go to that chariot. So let's go to verse 30. And when Philip ran up to it, this is verse 30 of Acts 8. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading. And here's a powerful evangelistic scripture and discipleship scripture. How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. I want y'all to think about that for a second. How can people understand the scripture unless we have teachers, youth staff workers, Awana workers? I mean, how can, 242 leaders, how, how can I, unless someone guides me, guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now let's go all the way to verse 35. And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. So the Holy Spirit got really detailed with Philip and said, go to that chariot. Get ready, guys. Now that you've heard scripture, and if you're going to walk with the Holy Spirit this week, is he going to give you a detailed instruction on something? Okay. Well, here's our fear. Well, what if I'm wrong? Anything you do out of love is not going to be wrong. Okay? Listen, you may, be, you, you may feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and you may be rejected. You may feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit, and it's not a spectacular story. You may feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit, and, and just the whole thing is awkward. 
that is not how we judge the success of a story. You see, we don't know the receptor may have a hard heart or they may be resisting the Lord's work. There's all types of reasons why an exchange may not go as we hope or may not be spectacular at the beginning. Or it may be that you're sowing a seed or you're watering a seed and then the fruit's going to come somewhere else. But I'm just telling you this, if the Lord's leading you to pray with someone who's sick and he says, go to that person, go to that chariot, Take a risk for God. Hey, let's be risk takers for God. Taking it easy for God and, and trying not to offend people and trying to make Jesus cool. How's that working out for the United States of America? I mean, we tried to make Jesus cool for 20 or 30 years and it just didn't work out, did it? But we should have known that at the beginning. Be a risk taker for God. He's going to send you to a specific chariot. He's going to send you to someone that you didn't expect. And maybe right now he's stirring you right now. Maybe he's saying you need to contact that person you went to high school with. Some of you, God's not calling you to go on a mission trip to another country. He's calling you to walk across the street. I mean, people are in their homes more than ever before. And, 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 and like we could just, you know, be friends to people. Not, not even with an agenda. Because sharing love and sharing um, a friendly, a friendly conversation is part of God's work in these days of trouble, in these days when everyone is so bound up by anxiety. The Holy Spirit is into details. Let's look at another example. Let's go down to Acts chapter fifteen, and and actually shared this scripture when we did the sermon on the intelligence of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy, the Holy Spirit is smart and intelligent. So this is, Acts 15 is such a powerful passage. I often go back there. It's not exciting to read, but it's so important. Um, as in Acts chapter 15, as they were giving requirements to the Gentiles, like the Gentiles who were, who were joining this Jewish-based faith, here was the, the, the message they sent in verse 28. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision. Other translations say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. It was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours. That's talking about that partnership. Not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. And then there are very specific requirements here. 29, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that's been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourself from these things. Farewell. Hey, that's my last scripture of the sermon. I didn't know it'd be on the media. That's a great way to end. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> that's the word of the Lord. The sermon's over. Farewell. But here we see, and we looked at the scripture already about the intelligence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's smarter than you. He's wiser than you. And here, the humility of God's people that says, hey, it seems like the Holy Spirit and us decided this. It seems like this was good to the Holy Spirit. If we start trying to hear details from the Lord, guys, we got to be humble because, you know, we're not always going to necessarily get it right, but we want to get it right in our heart, a right approach of humility and love and just say, God, you're guiding me. And you're guiding me into details. You're guiding me with intelligence and wisdom. And then specifically, he said, these are things that Gentiles shouldn't do. Here's specific things that they should not do. And some of those apply today. You know, some of those were more relevant in their culture, and, and, and I'm sure they do apply in some ways. But the Holy Spirit 
says, I'm going to get involved in the details, and I am telling you to do these things. Farewell. <laughs> hey, guys, I want us to, to pray together. That's the end of my message, but it's not the end of what God's saying. So we can just begin to just wait upon him right now. Lord, in these days of trouble, we need you so much. Uh, people are not watching this online because they're trying to ignore the Lord. Those of you who are watching online, I, can, I, I know that you're seeking the Lord at some level. Those of you who made the effort and you had the comfort level to be here today, um, you are a seeker of God. You are a seeker of truth. You are seeking a better way. You're asking for a better way. So we just ask you, Holy Spirit, and we invite you into our lives a lot of us are so concerned about what the Holy Spirit does in church services. Like, you know, you're, you're like a professional analyzer of how the Holy Spirit moves in church services. And you have missed it. Because it's not about what Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's doing in a church service as much as what the Holy Spirit's doing within the church. Okay? And the church is the gathering of God's people. So don't judge the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit by what happens one hour a week. Judge the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit in what happens in your life every hour of the week. And I want to say this in love. I don't want to say this with an edge. But I'm so tired of people who are critical about church culture. And they want church services to be wilder. Or they want it to be crazier, but they themselves aren't willing to be participants in it. They want to just come and watch people experience the Holy Spirit and just ride along on the back end of it. But they don't want to be the leaders in that. And, and I, just, I just think it's, a, it's, a, it's unbecoming. Let's just put it that way. And you're better than that. Aaron Allison needs to look at Aaron Allison. If you don't know me, that's my name, so I'm talking about me. <laughs> so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give me direction in the way I live my life. Of course, my life extends to this church. And I want you to do the same for you. Would you ask him right now? So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. What is grieving you, Holy Spirit, in our lives, in my life? What is grieving you, Holy Spirit? What are you trying to speak? You're, you're so much wiser about the situation that I'm dealing with. You're so much smarter than me. Your intelligence is deeper. Your intelligence is greater. We need you. What details, Holy Spirit, do you want to know in my life? Where do you want to insert your rule, your reign, your wisdom? We need you. Would you join me in also praying for our world today? God, we pray in faith that this virus, COVID-19, would leave. We believe in your power. We believe that your name is greater. And God, we prayed for our friend Rick, who represents 
literally thousands of people who are struggling with this virus. And we say, be healed in, in the name of Jesus. We, we ask, Lord, that you would do what needs to happen and that no man would get the glory, but you would get the glory, God. So we just ask you to have mercy upon us, oh God. Have mercy upon us and all who are struggling. We do pray for our leadership, our national leadership. We pray for our state leadership. We pray for our local leadership. Lord, going all the way to the different cities we live in and even the different neighborhoods and the different schools our kids and grandkids go to. Father, we pray for wisdom for our leaders. And Lord, we pray that, God, you would give us understanding to pray for them, um, to not be hypocritical in our judgment of them. God, because I know I've been wrong on some of my opinions during this whole time. And Lord, let us have grace. You needed to hear me pray that prayer because you need correction from the Lord. Your attitude towards civic authority is wrong. Can I just say that in love? Your attitude towards civic authority is wrong. And guys, it's easy to have a good attitude towards the leaders that we agree with or we're aligned with. But we need to have a level of respect for even the leaders we wouldn't vote for, we wouldn't agree with. That's part of living out the gospel. That's part of living out Jesus type, you know, or Jesus uh, characteristics. All right, let's, if, you, if you're able to and comfortable to, would you just stand? Let's just stand as we and have a time of response. Um, as you came in today, you may have seen uh, communion packets were available if you, if you want to take communion, and, and we're not going to give further direction on that. Um, you can take, as, as Rob leads us in worship here, we're going to have time to respond to the message, and you can respond by taking communion. And so those are out in the lobby if you need to go get those. But, uh, but you'll take that when your heart's ready. Or you may want to um, pray with someone that you came with and that you're comfortable praying with. Um, you know, we want to be respectful of other people's space in this unusual time. So even though I said let's be led by the Holy Spirit, you know, don't go to some strange person and pray in their face right now until we figure out what's all going on. Uh, we, we still, the, the Holy Spirit still wants us to be polite and wise. Um, so you may want to pray with someone that you came here with. You may want to have, get out your Bible and mark a scripture that the Lord spoke to you. You may want to come to these steps that kind of symbolize an altar. We don't have physical altars, but we have these steps that can serve it as those. And many people will maybe come and kneel there as a physical, it's like a physical symbol to say, hey, I'm giving this to you, God. And, and so uh, the act of walking to the front sometimes is what we need to seal the work of God in our life. But just in a couple of minutes, I'm going to come and give our benediction. And uh, we're just going to uh, spend this time in response. We, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so we always, very rarely do we have a Sunday that we don't have space to respond to the word of God through either reflection or prayer or, or through the Lord's table. So, so we now go to him. And as, uh, before I uh, give it over to Rob, I, I'm going to pray a prayer of confession that I pray almost every day. I prayed it every day this week. And, um, and if you, you want to pray it with me, it's a call to the triune God uh, calling for his mercy. And calling for the establishment of who he is. I'm going to pray this now. Feel free to pray with me. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. 